Welcome to the Microgen DX Mic'd Up podcast. Discover how cutting-edge next-generation sequencing technology is revolutionizing medical diagnosis, empowering healthcare professionals with rapid and accurate identification of microbes. Our experts take you through the science behind microbiome testing so that you can make better decisions when it comes to patient care. Plus, hear stories from patients firsthand about their journey toward better health. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Microgen DX Miked Up Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Turner, and I'm joined by our special guest today, Dr. Greg Schultz. Dr. Schultz is a professor emeritus of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Florida, where he served as the director of the Institute of Wound Research for 32 years. Dr. Schultz graduated with BS and PhD degrees in biochemistry from the Oklahoma State University, then completed postdoctoral research in cell biology at Yale University. Dr. Schultz has co-authored over 420 scientific publications that have been cited over 26,000 times. He has served as president of the Wound Healing Society and is a member of the Wound Healing Foundation Board of Directors, served as a member of the National Pressure Injury Advisory Panel, and more recently, a member of the International Wound Infection Institute, which will be discussing the latest wound infection consensus guidelines in this podcast. He is a co-inventor of 36 patents and co-founder of two successful biotechnology companies. Much of Dr. Schultz's many years of research focused on wounds that fail to heal, and current estimates indicate chronic wounds cost the US healthcare system over $4 billion annually and are dramatically increasing. Schultz's lab was the first to recognize the dramatic differences in the molecular environments of acute and chronic wounds. His lab demonstrated that chronic wounds are characterized by bacterial biofilms that stimulate chronic elevation of pro-inflammatory cytokines in wounds. These basic science discoveries have translated into improved clinical treatments embodied in the concepts of wound bed preparation and biofilm-based wound care, where Dr. Schultz is invited to speak on these topics all over the world. Dr. Schultz, it's an honor to have you on the program today. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a real pleasure to have this opportunity to uh, speak to you and the podcast viewers on this important concepts of biofilm-based wound care and bacterial identification in wounds. Since you're such an authority on biofilm, let's start with this topic, which we could probably spend weeks delving into this. But what is biofilm and why is it so important to address biofilm in a chronic wound? So giving you a really condensed microbiology review here, <clears throat> bacteria typically exist in two very different phenotypes or, or structures. We're all familiar with those rapidly proliferating non-attached little single bacteria called planktonic bacteria. And those are very sensitive to the typical antibiotics and many of the antimicrobials we use because antibiotics kill rapidly metabolizing and proliferating bacteria. <clears throat> Unfortunately, many times these planktonic bacteria will do what is called quorum sensing and they will reach a environment where the bugs become really very dense or the nutritional environment becomes uh, more compromised and they use their 
quorum sensing molecules to convert their pattern of gene expression. <clears throat> so instead of taking all their energy and basically proliferating, they take their energy and they use it to express an entirely different set of genes that result in what's called a biofilm community structure. And basically these biofilm-based bacteria and their matrix, the exopolymeric matrix, are tightly attached to structures. And they provide protection against our immune system and unfortunately also against many of the antibiotics and antiseptics that are used because many of the bacteria <clears throat> in the biofilm community are not metabolically active. They're so-called dormant persister cells. And again, that makes the ability of antibiotics to kill bacterial uh, in biofilm structures to be uh, very impaired. So they become highly tolerant to these topical or systemic treatments that are normally very effective at killing planktonic bugs. So we have planktonic bugs, biofilm-based bugs. Now, the reason why it's important to address this in chronic wounds is because data from multiple studies uh, around the world have shown that when wounds become truly chronic, <clears throat> there is a very high probability that they will contain a substantial amount of the bio-burden in the biofilm phenotype. <clears throat> and that means that the clinician needs to understand that and adapt the individualized treatment regimens that will address not only the planktonic bio-burden, but especially this biofilm-based uh, bio-burden because the biofilms are very, very pro-inflammatory and are a major factor that can lead to this chronic inflammation that occurs in these chronic wounds that, as you said, leads to elevated levels of cytokines and especially proteases that destroy the proteins needed for healing and the wound stops. So for those of, uh, of the audience uh, in wound care that were not able to attend the spring SAWC conference, what's the International Wound Infection Institute organization all about? Well, the IWII was formed uh, over a decade ago, and it really was the um, a, a consensus to try to bring together physicians, nurses, clinicians, and researchers from around the world that would address the critical problem of wound infection. Now, this could be both in acute wounds, but especially in chronic wounds. So the overall objectives of now the International Wound Infection Institute is to help educate the persons involved with patients who have wounds that may be infected, how to identify that infection, and especially how to try to optimize individualized treatments to take these wounds out of a critical uh, stage of infection, and we'll we'll talk about a, a wound continuum, infection continuum, but the the ability to take that information and to condense it into consensus guidelines that will help clinicians and patients uh, understand if there is an infection, how serious is the infection, and how to appropriately treat it in each individualized patient. 
I think it's great to have a standardized approach to recognizing and treating these wound infections. Um, and there's been some updates with the most recent IWII 2022 consensus guidelines, like the first guidelines that came out in 2017, I think we're only about 10 pages. And uh, this last document was close to 60. Yeah. Uh, and I would like to invite the listener to download a free copy. Um, so the new 2022 guidelines can actually be found at woundinfection-institute.com. That's woundinfection-institute.com. Um, so take us through the highlights of the wound infection continuum that goes from contamination of a wound bed all the way up to systemic infection. And the um, update in 2022 was based on the information that we had in 2016, 2017, but especially the increase in understanding in the subsequent five years or so since the original uh, 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 wound infection guidelines were published. And one of the major areas that had increased information that became available was in trying to understand when a wound moves from just contamination colonization into this transition stage of a wound infection, a wound bio burden, where we previously had called this critical colonization. We knew there was something critical about the number and type of bugs there, but we didn't really quite know what it was. Well, in the subsequent years, we now understand that a significant amount of that uh, is due to the presence of bacteria in the biofilm phenotype, not to minimize the importance of the planktonic, but also to add increased understanding of the importance of bacteria in biofilm phenotypes. And, and so we've now expanded and changed the critical colonization into covert and overt local infection. And then, of course, we have um, the, the true infected wounds and the spreading systemic infection that can cause sepsis and death. So really, a majority of this update was trying to focus on this area of the bacterial bio burden in wounds when the wound isn't really in the optimal microbial conditions and molecular conditions to allow wounds to progress to healing without complications, impairments of healing caused by the bio burden. So from a clinician's perspective, being at the bedside, let's say you're in a wound clinic, uh, you're in a long-term care facility, maybe a podiatry office, how does a clinician recognize biofilm in a wound? Is it more than just looking at slime? The answer is yes. <clears throat> and um, the, another um, activity of the International Wound Infection Institute that is just now coming out is what we've called the Slough Project. So that's an entirely different podcast, but just to let the listeners know that we're not ignoring this stuff called slough because it is related to this wound infection continuum. Um, but the sort of the bottom line is all this sluffy stuff that you see on chronic wound beds, that is not biofilm matrix. That is mainly the secretions from the wound bed. It can contain planktonic and some biofilm, but simply wiping the slough off is not getting rid of the bio burden. And so 
the updated guidelines tried to expand the concept um, of overt and covert infection and tried to understand when and if one could detect a biofilm that are present in these wounds. And there are a couple of um, options that, again, are available in, in the last five to six years that were incorporated into the update. Um, first, the concept of just biofilm-based wound care has become much more incorporated into the document because we understand the importance that a biofilm can play in impairing healing. <clears throat> but there's also the increased understanding of detecting and localizing what's called bacterial fluorescence. In other words, bacteria, many bacteria synthesize and secrete molecules, porphyrins, pyoveridins, et cetera, that they secrete to uh, into the environment to bind iron that they can then incorporate and pull back into the bacteria to allow them to grow. Just like we have to have iron, obviously, for hemoglobin, bacteria have to have iron for their continued metabolism and proliferation. So one of the devices can actually, um, at the point of care, with appropriate illumination of wavelengths of light, stimulate the fluorescence of these bacterial-produced fluorochromes. And so that helps to localize where the bio-burden is present in a wound bed and especially in the surrounding skin. And those, those pieces of information are obvious are not very obvious in many, many cases where uh, they're not just incredibly overt, obvious signs of clinical infection. <clears throat> now, I want to point out that this fluorescence detection of bacterial fluorochromes does not distinguish between planktonic and biofilm-based bacteria, but it, it detects generically the bio burden. And that, that's very useful information. A new technology that has emerged in the last couple of years um, that uh, is able to distinguish and detect and localize only biofilm-based bacteria uses a very simple, very inexpensive, rapid point of care detector where a piece of a positively charged nylon membrane is pressed into the wound bed. It binds the exopolymeric matrix of the biofilm that tends to be very highly negatively charged. That membrane is then just put into a little uh, solution of a cationic dye that stains where the biofilm matrix is. You rinse it, and in about three minutes, you can identify if a biofilm is present and where the biofilm is present. Now, that helps clinicians in knowing where or if needed to debride the wound to get rid of the biofilm, and especially after debridement to do another biofilm wound map blot and to see if the biofilm staining was effectively removed because there are now five publications with clinical studies from around the world that show that the detection of the biofilm matrix by the wound blot is an incredibly high positive predictive index of a biofilm present that will predict the wounds will not heal unless the biofilm matrix is removed. So if there's biofilm staining, the clinical studies show that almost no healing will occur, only about 17% of the wounds with any biofilm staining will heal. Um, if they do not have biofilm staining, over 97% will heal. So this is a very strong positive indicator of 
whether a biofilm is present or been effectively removed, and most importantly, if biofilm-based wound care needs to be uh, uh, implemented for that patient, because if a biofilm is present, then the chances of the wound healing are extremely low due to the impairment that the biofilm causes in terms of chronic inflammation that produce the components, proteases, reactive oxygen that impair healing. That's great that there's uh, a few different complementary emerging tools um, that will be in clinicians' hands before you know it. Um, you know, one thing that has not changed from the 2017 consensus guidelines to 2022 is this whole idea of the step-down, step-up approach once biofilm is suspected in a wound. Could you describe that? And where does uh, a technology like Microgen DX fit into that algorithm? Good, great question, Jeff. It, it turns out that the international panel that came together to update the IWII guidelines for identification treatment of bacterial infections realized that bacteria in biofilms are very difficult for our immune system to kill. The biofilm matrix protects them from our uh, neutrophils, macrophages, and also from many of our um, uh, antibodies and also provides incredible tolerance to most antibiotics. So the data from multiple clinical studies has shown that the most effective and rapid way to get rid of a biofilm is to debride it out. And there are multiple ways to do that debridement, but the bottom line is that the need to do effective, appropriate debridement of a chronic wound, especially when it first comes into the clinic and not been healing with standard of care for four weeks, that there will almost always be a biofilm component that's present and to rapidly get rid of both the biofilm as well as any necrotic or non-viable tissue is to debride the wound. And obviously sharp debridement is the fastest and usually the most effective but removing the necrotic tissue, which is frequently a great home for the attached biofilm, is a critical step in removing a major source of this chronic inflammation. Now, if the debridement is combined with, as in the recommendations, an, an effective antimicrobial dressing that prevents bacteria penetrating through the dressing, recolonizing on the wound bed, which will reform biofilm in, in about three days, then the wound will have much less of a microbial bioburden problem and inflammation problem. So then the frequency of debridement can, can be reduced. So you can step down on the frequency uh, to do maintenance debridement, which is just where it's needed and when it's needed. Um, and also step down in terms of the aggressiveness of the antimicrobial treatments. Eventually when the wound bed gets rebalanced when it's prepared well, the wound in most of these patients will continue and will start moving into the repair phase. They'll start granulating tissue, they'll start some epithelial migration, a little contraction, and, and the wound most cases will go on to heal. But in many of these patients, they have such other comorbidities that they need some additional help. They need some some 
benefit by providing advanced therapies. And many of these are like the cell and tissue products like growth factors, uh, split thickness skin grafts, um, negative pressure, all of these advanced treatments will have phenomenally beneficial effects on healing provided that the wound bed has been prepared right and biofilm, that which includes uh, understanding and implementing the biofilm-based wound care principles. Now, how microgen fits into that is you need to know what bugs are present and you need to know what level they're present and you need to know what genetic antibiotic resistance these bacteria may have. And especially if there are weird bugs like uh, anaerobic bacteria. So one of the key things that the microgen next generation sequencing, NGS sequencing does in this step down and step up approach is help to guide when there is a bacterial bio burden because the next gen sequencing will not only identify over 57,000 different species of bacteria, it'll also tell you how much of those bacteria are present in the different species along with their uh, antibiotic resistance. So that helps to guide what treatments will be combined with the debridement during the step down process. So it's a, a huge advantage over the traditional clinical microbiology uh, auger plate streaking, which only will allow about 10% of the different bacteria species to grow. They, they just don't grow well on those plates. <clears throat> and it also will rapidly provide the clinician within about 24 hours, a incredibly informative and complete database of the bacteria, fungal species that are present and what would be the optimal topical and systemic treatments to, to uh, use based on that individualized patients' microbial bio burden. Now, obviously, you know, clinicians have a choice on what type of diagnostic tool they want to use to identify the microorganisms in a wound bed. And certainly traditional cultures have been around for over a hundred years. Uh, a lot of times I hear from clinicians that they're not necessarily useful in some scenarios, or they're using it to determine microbial resistance, like such, such as they're trying to find MRSA, for example. Um, how would you say, what are the limitations of traditional cultures for wound care? Well, as, as you pointed out, multiple studies have shown that only a very small percentage, somewhere around 10 to 12% of the all of the bacteria species and fungal species that are present in typical chronic wound bed when it's not healing, are even able to be cultured by the traditional uh, culture plating techniques. And also it takes multiple days in most cases to determine if a culturable bacteria is a tolerant to an antibiotic or resistant to an antibiotic. The nice thing about the next gen sequencing is that not only will identify all the different bacterial fungal species that are present, it can also detect the most common genes that are responsible for the genetic antibiotic permanent resistance. Now it's different than the tolerant temporary resistance that bacteria have when they're in the biofilm phenotyped antibiotics. But uh, the, the next gen sequencing is more rapid. It is able to detect the uh, most uh, abundant and, and common antibiotic resistance genes, which will allow the clinician to rapidly determine what would be the best individualized treatment for 
controlling and reducing the bacterial bio burden that's present. I know I get asked a lot uh, when I'm <laughs> talking about next-gen sequencing. Um, what is it and how is it different than PCR testing? Obviously, both are molecular, both are DNA-based, um, but what are the differences between the two technologies? Well, not, not to give everybody a molecular biology headache, but um, next-gen sequencing literally is a phenomenal type of advancement in terms of rapid uh, DNA sequencing and translation of those sequences into identifiable bacterial species. So <clears throat> PCR is was really the first advance in terms of trying to use DNA to identify bacteria rather than looking at it under a microscope or something. And <clears throat> basically PCR uses primers that are synthetic pieces of DNA that are targeting to unique sequences within unique genes within bacteria that can be amplified. So if the bugs are present, these primers will stimulate amplification of that piece of DNA and it, it, using different techniques, it can be identified. The, the problem is that PCR requires, um, almost requires pre-selection of a series of bacterial, unique bacterial DNA targets to be able to identify which bugs are present or not present. Next-gen sequencing uses much different, much more advanced, much more um, uh, artificial-based intelligence types of analysis where through the more um, instrumented processing of the tissue samples, um, you can basically sequence the entire bacterial genomes that are present and with the technology through computer analyzed AI, determine what bacteria species are present and what their relative abundances are. So PCR was great. It was a huge step forward from bacterial typical culturing techniques, but now nitrogen sequencing by and large has for the essentially the same processing expenses and, and time, able to give you a full, complete understanding of the bacteria species uh, that are that are present, and that is as well as the antimicrobial resistant genes, which gives the clinician a much better understanding of what is present in the wound, not just the twenty or so selected bacteria species that are thought to be the most common in that type of wound. So obviously a, a hot topic right now is that uh, a couple of weeks ago, three of the Medicare regions, CGS, First Coast and Novitas, put out some updated LCD policies with regards to their coverage of cellular and tissue products. Um, so they're really limiting and pulling back how many graphs that they will cover per patient uh, and really put a, more of an emphasis on wound healing progression between applications and also preparing that wound bed and making a requirement to prepare that wound bed to accept and optimize that tissue graft. Uh, and they won't cover 
uh, a tissue graft unless there's control of the underlying conditions such as an active infection. So in your mind, how will these policy changes affect wound care clinical practice? And what is the role of Microgen DX to aid in wound bed preparation for ACTP, especially now given the policy changes? Right. Well, I'm, I'm very glad, first of all, to see this policy uh, to begin to go into effect because other studies have shown that when the chronic inflammation level is high and the proteases are high, if you put advanced cell and tissue products on there, within three or four days when you come back, they're just reduced to jello because the proteases and reactive oxygen molecules have just destroyed that incredibly potentially effective CTP. So the, the key is this new requirement um, is based on the substantial data that has come from multiple clinical studies as well as animal studies <clears throat> that show that if there is chronic inflammation in the wound bed, especially due to infection, then these advanced cell and tissue products are not going to be effective because they're going to be rapidly destroyed by the imbalance in proteases, reactive oxygen, reactive nitrogen species, et cetera, that are, that are a result of an infected or critically infected wound. So the value that microgen can provide to clinicians to comply with this new guideline from uh, the government and from third-party payers is that it can provide incredibly accurate identification and quantification of different bacteria within the wound. So that will enable the clinician to legitimately state in the records uh, into the patient that your wound bed is prepared well enough that these advanced cell and tissue products will now have an environment in the wound bed in which they will function properly. And multiple types of, of clinical studies um, have shown that once the wound bed is prepared well, the advanced cell and tissue products have a phenomenally beneficial effect on, on healing. But the key is you got to prepare that wound bed so that the cell and tissue products aren't rapidly destroyed by the imbalance in the proteases or active oxygen molecules that are in the chronically inflamed wound bed due to the advanced levels of the bio burden. So if a clinician um, looks at the wound bed, it suspects local infection, right? Or a biofilm presence. They follow the guidelines. They do a diagnostic test. They use Microgen DX uh, and they get the results back. What next? How should they treat that wound? So within the uh, IWII guidelines um, are a series of recommendations of how to take a chronic wound that's in that initial stage and treat it so that it now becomes altered in the wound bed molecular and microbiology environment. So <clears throat> once the clinician gets this result, then they can determine from the quantitative levels of these bacteria, is this wound in a infected state of either overt or covert infection that needs to be addressed before 
applying one of the advanced cell and tissue products that, that promote healing when the wound bed's right. So once they get this information, they have to clinically decide, is the patient in such a bio-burden status that they need to be treated first in this step-down concept to get rid of the bio-burden down to levels that are compatible with healing? And then if the micro, uh, if the uh, microgen DX microbial pattern and levels are low enough, then they can say, whoa, this wound bed is prepared well enough. Here's the objective data that says this wound bed is prepared well, the biofilm potential burden is reduced. So we're now ready to use these advanced cell and tissue products so that they'll work well. If they're not in that state, then they can use the bacterial profiles that are provided through the microgen testing that also is um, presents with a potential optimized antimicrobial treatment regimen for that patient. In other words, the antibiotics and antimicrobials that would be most appropriate for a patient that has that particular type of a microbial bio-burden spectrum. In your opinion, what's the role of customized topical antibiotics? Well, um, the data that was uh, published in uh, around 2011 or so by my wonderful colleague, Randy Walcott, that, that looked at over 1,400 patients in a retrospective analysis showed that when patients were treated topically with a optimized antibiotic formulation based on what bacteria were identified by DNA techniques, then every uh, class, all four classes of those chronic wounds had statistically significant improvement in healing outcomes compared to patients that were not treated with topical antibiotics, but were just treated with generic approaches to trying to reduce the microbial bioburden. So the, the role of customized topical antibiotic therapy is well supported. The benefit is well supported in uh, particularly that type of a clinical study. But the key is making that DNA identification technique available broadly around the world at a reasonable cost in a rapid time return. And fortunately, the field has now moved to that with next-gen sequencing and, and rapid uh, data and sample analysis and data analysis that gets the information back to the clinician within about a day. Yeah, and I'd like to just quickly mention that Microgen DX can help you find a compounding pharmacy. We get asked a lot about that uh, based on the Walcott data. And we have a great relationship with a lot of pharmacies, particularly Crafted RX out of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it's licensed in several states. They can provide a customized wound topical for about $75 uh, to the patient, and it's shipped right to the patient's house, and the prescription lasts one to two months. Um, so there are affordable options out there for your Medicare patients. And I'd also like to add that um, microgen next-gen sequencing diagnostic test is covered by Medicare B and a lot of private insurance plans as well. Great points to make because we can have all the most wonderful advanced technologies in the world, but if Patients can't 
take advantage of it, then it it doesn't fulfill the the hope and the promise. But I think we're entering into a new phase of this now in the field, and I think there's just a tremendous opportunity here to improve patient outcomes by using these advanced technologies. Dr. Schultz, we could be with you all day, but uh, that's all the time, unfortunately, that we have for this session. Uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us today, and we hope to have you back on Microgen DX Biked Up podcast again here soon. Well, thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure to talk to you and, and uh, to the uh, persons watching this uh, to try to provide a really educational benefit of, of how to do biofilm-based wound care, how to use DNA analysis of bacteria loads, and uh, particularly how to translate that into improved care and outcomes for patients. And to all the wound care clinicians, nurses, techs, administrators, staff, and researchers on behalf of Microgen DX, we thank you for the care that you give to these wound care patients in need. Uh, you're very special people with a lot of compassion, big hearts. And thanks to the researchers like Dr. Schultz for moving the science of medicine forward to really help our understanding of chronic wounds so that new treatment strategies can be developed. So with that, until next time, be well and thanks for joining. Thank you for tuning in to Microgen DX Miked Up. We hope that you found our broadcast informative and helpful. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about our services, please visit our website at microgendx.com. Power up your precision with Microgen DX testing, the key to accurate diagnostics and personalized treatments. Until next time, this is Microgen DX Miked Up signing off. <laughs>